These readings are Psalm 143, 1 through 8, and Matthew 6, 1 through 6, and 618. They can be found on pages 578 and 893 of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as up on the screen. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. Do not bring your servant into judgment, for no one living is righteous before you. The enemy pursues me. He crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in the darkness like those long dead. So my spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. I spread out my hands to you. I thirst for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I will be like those who go down to the pit. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. This is God's word. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. The Word of the Lord. Please be seated. Before we briefly look at this, I invite you to... uh A moment of prayer with me. God of grace, as we come here from different places, different positions in life, some of us sit here and we wonder, are you real? And others of us sit here and we wonder, okay, I believe you're real, but why are things going the way that they've been going in my life? And others of us um, sit here and we don't know what we think. Maybe it's not even a coherent um, line of thought towards you. We, we maybe don't even know why we're here. 
Um, but we are. We find ourselves sitting here against all odds. And others of us come with joys of life ahead of us or just behind us, and we're, you know, we might be living off of the adrenaline of experience and maybe even of answered prayers where we brought our hardest issues to you. Finally, we let go of trying to fix ourselves and, and we saw you act large in our life. Wherever we come from, may this season be meaningful for all of us as we begin it tonight. Will you help us to see, see our need before you and will you speak to that need, that deeper inner need that we all have? the need for your loving grace. And will you convince us that it exists and that you move towards us? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lent, Lent is not a season uh, designed um, for you getting your name on a brick. Have you seen the, um, like the fundraising campaigns or maybe you've seen the result of one where, where there's a, a wall of bricks and they have names on them? Um, you know, the, the $500 donors got a brick with their name on it for people to walk by and see and be impressed by. Lent is not about getting your name on a brick. Otherwise, City Life Church would have a display next year outside that newcomers would walk past and they'd, they'd read the bricks and it would say, In Lent 2011, Susan Smith gave up chocolate for six and a half weeks. Todd Anderson volunteered three days a week during Lent 2011. The Chan family unplugged their TV. Chloe Deckers did a 40-day cleanse. <laughs> TMI? Ed Thomas installed pornography filtering software on his iPhone and computers. Newly baptized Sally Edwards gave 5% of her income away to her church for the first time in her life during Lent 2011. You know, some of these would be either giant bricks or just very small print. Um, but it makes the whole thing better if they're long. S salesman Jared McGeorge told his boss he was going to be coming in at 8 a.m. and turning off his cell phone at 5 p.m. to be more present during Lent with his wife and teenage kids. So you get the picture. Doesn't it seem a little lame to have something like that? You know, your Lenten spiritual practice is done in order to get some external recognition. Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 6 that you get a pretty lame reward if your spiritual practices are done um, for external re reasons. And he sets it up this way. There's, um, there's an external reward that you can find through doing uh, more obvious things like name on a brick kind of things. And yet the reward is actually very small. It's lame. And there's an internal reward that's alluded to, that we're, it's kind of insinuated at. It's not completely described. And, but it's not obvious. It goes unnoticed. And um, it's, the word secret is woven through this text. And yet, that reward, that internal one, is really huge and life-changing. That's the promise. Um, and here's also kind of how Jesus sets it up. This is, this is the result of what he's saying, is that if, if you set up your life chasing after some external reward, Jesus is portraying the truly tragic possibility of what your endpoint might be, that you actually get it. 
you actually get what you were chasing after. And then, as often happens, you sit there with it and you realize how empty you still are because you've made some name on a brick thing what your life is all about. So you make, your, you make the idea of someday getting married, that's your brick. Uh, someday you'll get the comfortable life, have enough money, name on a brick. Someday you'll have children, or someday you'll be the best in your field, uh, or you'll, you'll become what your parents have always wanted you to become. They'll finally be happy with you. And there's all kinds of religious bricks. Knowing, finally knowing the Bible well enough. Or following all the religious rules to the degree that you know, you can confidently say, yes, I have, I have gotten my life together. Volunteering regularly. Carefully avoiding obvious sins that religious people tend to stigmatize. Brick, 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 brick. Jesus um, basically says that's all just very lame and unfulfilling compared to the secret reward that my Father can give you. Um, so what's the secret? What's the secret? Well, it's very simple. It's what we're going to focus on in the season of Lent, the gospel, to put it in one word that is how it's often referred to in the New Testament scriptures. The gospel, and it's a two-part, it's like two sides of a coin. On the one hand, there is sin, and another way to put it is like spiritual deadness in your spiritual trajectory. There's deadness. There's sort of like, on my own is a dead end, and I'm a mess. Now that's part one, but you you have to know that you're going to part two. Otherwise, the burden is too heavy to carry. Forgiveness from God, part two. Forgiveness from God, the dramatic love of God. He doesn't make you pay the price. He's not punitive. He's not vindictive towards your mess and your sin, uh, your deadness. But to those that admit their mess, he washes over them with acceptance, forgiveness, validation, undeserved grace. And so, to simplify you're more of a mess than you care to admit on your own, but in Christ, you're more loved and accepted than you ever imagined. A lot of people that I talk to don't realize that this is actually the core message of the Christian faith. And um, that goes for folks I talk to that that I've never seen at City Life Church. That goes for people that um, regularly go to church. And this is how... um, uh, the authors Tripp and Lane, who wrote the book that we're highlighting this season in our message series, um, How People Change. This is how, in chapter one, how they get at it. Many Christians, first of all, underestimate the presence and power of indwelling sin. So that's, number, that's the part one. They don't see how easily entrapped they are in this world full of snares. They are not aware of how prone they are to run after, I like this phrase, God replacements. They fail to see that their greatest problems exist within them, not outside of them. And then then they say this. Many believers also, like number two, fail to see the other side of their gospel identity. Their identity in Christ. Christ not only gives me forgiveness and a new future, but a whole new identity as well. I am now a child of God with all of the rights and privileges that this title bestows. 
It's the gospel. And in this service, as we um, move on now, um, we're going to invite you to participate in the imposition of ashes. Um, And it's nothing other than grappling with the central message of the Christian faith. There's ash, which is deadness, lifelessness, your spiritual deadness, your mess. It's a grave thing to consider. Um, but on my own, I am a mess. And then, but then, here's what happens. Here's the, the fun twist, is that the ashes make a cross. And so right there in that, that uh, sober message is the cross, which is God saying, I don't leave you in your mess. You're not left to pay the price. You're not left to cower or grovel in guilt or shame or fear or embarrassment. I, deal, I dealt with your mess on the cross. Turn to me. Be embraced as my daughters and sons. Ashy mess, cross of Jesus. It's really that simple. And so, just to close this, if your Lenten spiritual practices, whatever they end up being, and we've got a table full of ideas back there and a one-page sheet that gives you other ideas and a one-page sheet that suggests how you might write a prayer that would be your Lenten daily prayer, and then other prayers that you might just steal and take one. So you, so you can go back there and use that as your resources. But whatever your practice might be, um, if it turns you towards your mess and your need for God and confronts you with that and in the same time in some way through these practices if you, if you feel inadequate and um, imperfect and you're starting to get a sense of your mess during this season and in that you turn to God for help for grace for Him His perfection to cover your imperfection then Lent has been a success even if, like, you know, you imagine, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. It's, it's not like resolutions. It's not exactly the same. Because when you fail in the midst of your Lenten practice, right there is your chance to look to God in the gospel. So, your mess, God's astounding forgiveness. You are a child of God with all the rights and privileges that this title bestows. Doesn't that sound a lot better than a name on a brick? Will you pray with me? God of grace, will the simple words that we reflect on about the gospel this evening and throughout this season work their way into our lives in however we need them to work? Whether it's for the first time we've ever grappled with this and you're going to show us the good life, the settled heart kind of life for the first time, or whether we just run away from the living water all the time, even though we say we believe in it, and we're out chasing bricks in the desert, and we're thirsty, and then we just need to remember and kind of rehabituate going back to the well of living water. Wherever we find ourselves, will you work powerfully in our lives, we pray. We need your help. Amen.